With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As I was saying, if you go an entire week without eating some food, don't you think you'd notice? You'd probably be suffering a little bit. Look, I know about fasting. I'm not talking about a fast. And besides, you shouldn't be fasting that long anyway. But think about it. Going an entire week without eating, without drinking water, you couldn't do it. You'd have to have some kind of fluid intake. But we go how long without praying? Has it been a day, a week, a month, a year, years? No wonder we got people's spirits dried up, shriveled, atrophied. So we start every show with a little little pick-me-up. And earlier this week... I hit you with one and followed it with a soundbite of Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, Republican from North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, just listen. Great to be with you. Our verse today, Proverbs 4.23. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Consider the thoughts of two weeks ago by... North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. The greatest example of that I saw and witnessed it firsthand on television was during 9-11. People running away from those burning buildings, running away in horror. We saw policemen and firemen running to those buildings, basically running to their deaths to go help others. Because they saw trouble and they knew that they were needed. That's got to be us in this day right here. We've got to run to the trouble, folks. And what is the trouble? The trouble is the Biden administration that is seeking to turn this country into a socialist hellhole. The trouble is Antifa that wants to roam the streets and beat you into submission. The trouble is Black Lives Matter. It claims to care about the lives of black people, but it's turned a blind eye while violence in black communities are taking lives at a genocidal rate. They've turned a blind eye. That's where the trouble is, and that's what we've got to run to. And we've got all the right in the world on our side. And there ain't no reason to be afraid. And there ain't no reason to not take the challenge dead on. Because I'm going to tell you who we come from, folks. We don't come from some weak Jellyback, spineless people. That's not who we come from. None of us. And it doesn't matter what color you are, what nation your folks hail from, how much money you got. We all share the same name. We are Americans. And at Bunker Hill, there was Americans. And at Fredericksburg and Gettysburg, there was Americans. 
And at Iwo Jima, raising that flag on Sarabachi, it was Americans. And at Porkchop Hill, it was Americans. Quezon, there was Americans. And on 9-11, there was Americans who ran towards those burning buildings. That is who you share your heritage with. You do not share your heritage with a weak and ineffective people who cower at the sign of trouble. You share your heritage with a strong and brave people who are determined to hold on to their freedom and for the freedom of future generations. Guys, it's time for us to stand up and be that generation. It's time for us to stand strong and proud and remember who we are, that we are Christians, that we are Americans, that we are Republicans, and that we are conservatives. And as long as we stand as the vanguard of freedom in this nation, freedom will survive here. And not only survive, it will thrive. So guys, it's time to put on our packs. It's time to fix those bayonets. It's time to get ready. We got a fight on our hand and our fight is not for us. It's for all those generations that's going to come behind us. Let's save America, folks, because if there is to be freedom in this nation in the future, it is only going to become at the behest of the Republican Party, the grand old party, the party of freedom and equality. The one that always has been and the one that always will be. God bless you all. Thank you very much. God bless the great state of North Carolina, and God bless the United States of America. Thank you. Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson of North Carolina. You think he had something to say? No notes. No notes. That it was extemporaneous, and as they say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All I know is when I heard that the first time, I was like, Oh, put me in, coach! Put me in! Let's put go. me in! Let's go, coach! Come on, I'll, I'll, I'll hit him! I'll hit him! Okay, that had to fire you up. First of all, that man is on my radar. He got after it. He had to have been in a pulpit at some point in his life. Or he visits them frequently, one or the other. Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, Republican from North Carolina, throwing it down. Had to love that. Anyway, welcome to, as I was saying, I'm Preston Scott. Great to be with you this morning. Our friends at Heinz Nurseries, that's where I go, whether it's soil and the things that I need to amend the soil to make it grow better plants, better vegetables, whatever it is that you want to grow. Or whether it's mulches or sod, they have it by the piece of the palate, call ahead, Zoysia St. Augustine Centipede. They got plants that grow in our part of North Florida successfully and so much more. Get by there, Heinz Nurseries, 4140 Bradfordville Road, just past Target. Online at HeinzNurseries.com, 668 0961 and don't forget to add the 850 back with more welcome back to as i was saying i'm preston scott one of my favorite guests on the program each and every month is former intern of the morning show with preston scott entertainment editor at breitbart.com author of two books 
And each and every time I have Jerome Hudson on the program, I try to get him to spill the beans on the title of the newest book that's coming. The first book, 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know. The Mm -hmm. second Mm -hmm. book, 50 Things They Don't Want You to Know About Trump. And my mind went blank. 50 Things is the third one. 50 Things That, um, uh, oh, help me out, help me out. Um, I, uh, I, I, I can't, I can't say, but, uh, but as I, but as I have said, as I have said before, uh, you know, it is about history. Um, and in, 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 in that way, it is about how, you know, our, our shared history in this country ties directly in, uh, to our current predicament. And a lot 50 of the things they don't want you to know about the critical race theory. Uh, yeah, there'll be some of that in there. It could um, be a little bit of something, something like that in there, huh? Okay, fine, fine. How are you, sir? How are things? Oh, man, I'm doing so good. Uh, everything's great. Uh, to everyone under the sound of my voice, please keep my mother, Annie Hudson, in your prayers. She will be going to the doctor today. She had a hairline fracture in her right foot and Ooh. turned into a it turned into a break. Uh, yeah, and so she, she was getting out of her car. My joke was that she had been doing that thing for decades and uh, at almost 80 years old just found some trouble doing it. But she's in good spirits, and uh, best-case scenario, that she just needs to keep the boot on for a few more weeks. Worst-case scenario, she'll have to have surgery and put up with me as a caretaker for several weeks. So. Okay. Being a good son, good on you. Uh, it's the least that I can do. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the entertainment section here on Breitbart.com, and I'm seeing once again that uh, Macy Gray, who a lot of people really don't know anything about her, don't know her music because it's not like she's a big celebrity, right? Yeah, she had a hit. It's strange in 2000. <laughs> she had uh, one. It, it, yeah, it, it's called I Try. She got nominated for three Grammys, won one Grammy, and never actually made uh, the, the, the the pop charts again. Uh, so is that why she's he, so upset? Is she upset because she's not successful? Yeah, I um, boy, I just I filed this one, uh, Preston, under you know just that that bizarre category of a situation in which you have a person who's over 50 years old and has lived in the United States or her entire life has been feted um, and, you know, has been blessed with, with, with great talent, um, but, but lives over a half century and comes to the conclusion at that point in her life after amassing, you know, anywhere between 12 to $23 million that she hates or has great disdain for the flag uh, that represents the country that 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 blessed her so much. <laughs> it's just bizarre, and I really don't know what to say other than to say that this this is a poison that is is so deeply woven, often into just the the very people who you would think would would love this country unconditionally because they've reached just just great success in it. With Jerome Hudson from Breitbart.com, lead story here on the Breitbart Entertainment page, um, he, where he serves as the entertainment editor, Grammy-winning singer Macy Gray trashes American flag again. And, Jerome, I interrupted you, but, I, you know, I, I, it's it, to me, whether it's music or art, 
whatever it might be, it is like beauty. It's in the ear of the listener, the eye of the beholder. You might think Macy Gray has remarkable skills. I think she has average skills at best. And that, to me, is the real amazing part of America, is that people that have questionable skill sets can still carve out amazing careers because there's some people that do love them. And she doesn't have to appeal to me or people like me. That's cool. Happy for her success. But, but this, uh, this, I guess this obsession with trashing the, the, the goose that lays the golden egg is, is just something I can't get my brain around. The, the quote, why do we have to celebrate a flag that now represents divisiveness and hate, end quote, is the question that Macy Gray asked. Um, and and I just that that that's the point you know that I that I started to make in that long winded rant uh, that the weather and news uh, interrupted me from. Like if that is what Macy Gray believes that the that the the American flag that old glory the 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 the, 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 the bars and stripes if she thinks that it represents divisiveness and hate, I would wonder how Macy Gray. Uh, would feel, you know, if the Civil War had gone a different way, because there, there, there was a country fighting for a different flag. I mean, that's that's my point. I, I just don't understand. Oh, I do understand how easy it is for people like Macy Gray, but but maybe people like your neighbors to really take for granted the the the, the, the bloodshed um, and the death and the sacrifice that we that that that. People who lived before us made to make this country as harmonistic and racially uh, uh, harmonistic as it is today. It's fascinating to me, but 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 it's also why I'm blessed to sit in a position to point out just the hypocrisy and the narrow-minded stupidity of this woman. Jerome, as a black male in our culture, you have, in fact, I would almost posit the notion that you in essence got your start down the path that you are currently on by pointing out how marginalized and how you are made to feel as a black male who happens to hold to conservative views and values but yet i have maintained that those views and values are really the norm of what most blacks hold in America, but they're silenced and marginalized for holding them. How far off am I? Um, you're not far off at all. Although, like I, I what I really appreciated just digging through the the statistics and the data of the last couple presidential elections is that you know the 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 conservative movement, if you will, the Republican Party specifically, has become you know, younger and blacker and more Hispanic, uh, particularly along the southern border of the United States and Texas and Arizona. And all of that, Preston, uh, in the face of, yes, as you point out, the very real ideological and spiritual oppression that a black person in this country faces if they just so happen to make the mistake of not declaring themselves a Democrat and a proud liberal. Um, I wrote an article published well over a decade ago on Glenn Beck's um, website called The Life of a Young Black Conservative. And as you say, in that article, I write how, yeah, I want to 
be a part of the Republican Party because it's not the party of unfettered abortion. And I want to be a part of the party that allows parents to say wherever their children can learn in school. I mean, yeah, it's it's a real backlash, but, you know, it builds character and I'm proud of my beliefs. And thank you for shaping them, by the way. Let me take you to Sunday. This is CBS 62 meteorologist April Moss in Detroit. Detroit. No small market is April Moss working in. And here's her brief little weathercast. Good evening and thanks for watching First Forecast. I'm meteorologist April Moss and happy Father's Day. Today we saw temperatures above normal again, topping out at 85 degrees at Metro Airport. Plenty of sunshine today, but all good things must come to an end. And that starts as early as tomorrow morning with showers moving in around 8 a.m. And speaking of a brand new week, I will be sitting down this week with Project Veritas to discuss the discrimination that CBS is enforcing upon its employees. Tune in to Project Veritas for my full story. Now, later Monday, we will see those showers continuing through late morning. (laughs) She just rolls right back into the weather. (laughs) I mean, Jerome, that was classic bomb dropping. Our reaction uh, is is laughter, but, but just watching that, if you're sitting... Uh, at, at, at home, maybe packing the kids up for school if they're lucky enough to live in a school district in Detroit, Michigan, that they can go to school. I mean, what's your reaction? She gives you a little bit of a weather up, traffic update, drops this bomb, and then goes right back, uh, <laughs> does not skip a beat. Um, I love this, and admittedly, I hadn't really followed the story all that much, um, but, you know, just close enough to realize, okay, you know, just just knowing James O'Keefe, and I see this as what he, you know, promised to Andrew Breitbart uh, years and years ago that, I mean, this is the, this is Andrew Breitbart's dream being realized. I mean, he wanted for the, the just the, the everyday American to actually know the lie that was being forced on them, you know, by the major networks, of course, but even by their local papers every single day. And um, this woman is, is now seemingly one of, of, a, of a growing number of people who are working with James O'Keefe's Project Veritas to do just that. And I love this. Um, because every every other week, president, just the nature of my of my job every day, like I hear about a discrimination lawsuit being brought against CNN or or ABC or NBC, something that Breitbart News uh, has never and will never have to actually work worry about. But it's 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 the very people right that just preach down to us about how bigoted and sexist and misogynistic we are. The, the very same newsrooms. Um, are, 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 are just full of hypocrisy. So I, I love to see this. Um, I hope she's lawyered up. Uh, but knowing uh, this James O'Keefe, I mean, they've addressed all of that. It's airtight, and it's going to, like I said, it's going to go down in spectacular fashion. Get his books. Get the new one when it comes out. Jerome Hudson with me earlier this week on the morning show with Preston Scott. Got the news coming up next. Back with more. Don't you leave me.
Welcome back to As I Was Saying. I'm Preston Scott. Sounds sounds kind of ominous, right? Doesn't it sound like submarine kind of music? That's what I went for, at least. Maybe I didn't hit the mark, but that's what came up when I typed it into the library. I had retired captain from the U.S. Navy, who's submariner, some call submariner, or or art. But I had Captain Brent Sadler on the program because there's a lot of things going on right now in and around us that we're really not focused on and paying much attention to, but there's a lot of saber rattling. And he brought his expertise to the morning show and offered us a little bit of a glimpse in analysis of what's happening and why we should be paying attention to it. Captain Sadler, thanks so much for joining me this morning, and thank you so much for serving our country. Well, thank you very much, Preston, for having me on today. Let's talk about something that has been a point of discussion on the program for quite a while. And I say quite a while because, really, it it began real quickly after the Biden administration took over in the White House. There was a shift internationally, and I, you know, it's easy to just kind of make light of the faux pas and the gaffes that the president commits, but it it has implications when it comes to our national security. What are you observing that has you concerned, primarily from the standpoint of our ability to prepare and be in the proper defensive mode against China and Russia? No, absolutely. Well, so. One of the areas I've spent a lot of time in uh, as a submariner, but then also uh, dealing and working diplomatically as a military attaché overseas is the Western Pacific. And so this is China's backyard, and they've become increasingly uh, active and very, in some cases, almost adventurous. And uh, so th- I've watched that, and it's very clear that our Navy, our military, is, is a little too thinly stretched out to be able to anticipate let alone respond to these tests. Uh, Most recently, last week, you had a record-breaking air incursion into the airspace around Taiwan. You've had a week's ongoing course of activity of the Chinese maritime militia and their Navy in the South China Sea, which undermines U.S. credibility as a security partner you could rely on. So if you're a Malaysia or an Indonesia or the Philippines, you start to wonder if we really got the capacity to keep up with the Chinese threat. Do we? Well, you hear a lot of a lot of the generals and the admirals when they're asked this question on the Hill, they'll say today, yes. Well, that's always caveated, uh, I think, pretty extensively, and it never really comes out too often what they mean by that. It means, yes, today we can deter, but there is risk that if a fight does break out, we're not going to be able to win it as quickly as we would like, which makes it a very long war, which is much more costly and much more bloody in the long run. The other thing is, when you're not, when you're undercutting the capacity of your military at a time that you're talking a more tough, you know, using tough words to say you're going to contain China's nefarious activities, you better have a military behind it because you're going to you're going to get tested a lot more often, and I think that's what we're on the cusp of. Joining me is retired Captain Brent Sadler with the United States Navy and now with the Heritage Foundation, Captain. You, you as a submariner might be able to speak to this pretty directly. I have long been told and read that the Chinese Navy has been developing submarines at a level, producing them, uh, building them at a level that we can't comprehend. 
and that they are perfectly comfortable with the notion of losing a bunch of them in an offensive attack on America. Is that accurate? I think you could apply it across the board to the Chinese mentality and, and their approach. It's heavily influenced by the Soviets and the Soviet experiences uh, for military planning. So why I think they're, they're, they have lots of numbers, so their ability to take or sustain a loss is much higher than ours, which means that they're not taking as much risk for every ship that they lose in the war, which makes them more and more confident. Um, whether or not they value human life, more or less, that's another longer discussion, but I think the track record kind of speaks for itself. This is the type of stuff that doesn't get a whole lot of cover because it's not the type of story the mainstream media wants to reflect on because it doesn't reflect kindly on the current administration. And, uh, you know, we talked last week, Captain, about Russia's incursion near Hawaii, uh, naval maneuvers in Hawaii. I mean, this is scary saber-rattling. Is it, is it just us, or is there more of it now that Joe Biden's president? Well, I think it's been going on for, for far too long. It's easy to ignore because a lot of times these challenges at sea or at the, at air, in the air can go unnoticed or unreported, and there's really little con- uh consequence for it. The, the air incur or the uh, exercise that the Russians did just around Hawaii would have been complete, the American public would have been totally oblivious to it unless it was reported. Now our partners like the Japanese, the Filipinos, and the Vietnamese in the South China Sea and the East China Sea are treated very differently and much more aggressively than the Chinese treat us. They still treat us with a little bit more care and diligence uh, when they're talking to our ships and our pilots and the way that they fly and the way they drive their ships. Now, that's going to change when they no longer feel that they have to fear us. Uh, but, yes, there, there's been a change of foot, and I think it's going to get more aggressive as the Chinese feel more emboldened and less risk for them to kind of try and push us around more in the Western Pacific. Equally alarming is the change that we observe as lay people, as the public in our military training standards, the types of things being taught those, whether it's Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, and those leading at the very, very top echelons of our military. I mentioned before the break, are they concerned about the funding? Do they even care, or are they of a new mindset that views the United States needs to be much more of a pacifist, stand by, and watch nation. Well, I think this even goes for some of the folks that are in the Biden administration that have come back from after working for Obama in some very significant challenge to American prestige and influence overseas uh, from the Chinese before. They all, should, they all know better. Uh, it's unfortunate that, that they've taken this in this budget what looks like a step back, a 180-degree move away from continuing to strengthen up the military. But I think the problem is much broader and long, long-standing than just the last few years or just this, you know, since January of this year. And that is after the Cold War, our military has had this, this tendency of reduction, cost efficiencies. And so many of our leaders, uh, political as well as uniformed, have grown up in, a, in, a, in an environment where you were rewarded for cutting reducing capacity and saving money while you're not delivering the capacity, the numbers of weapons and platforms, aircraft and ships that you need or that, that, that your threats dictate. And so there's a mentality that's got to change wholesale. And it's this, this budget-led cost-efficiency mentality 
Because right now we need to grow the numbers in order to meet the Chinese and the Russian threat. And it's just not happening. And when it does, it's very episodic and very narrowly focused. If you had all the money, if if a miracle happened and Congress allocated and the president signed off on properly funding Navy, military, whatever form we want to discuss, Captain, is the leadership there to effectively use it appropriately? I think so. Um, but again, it's got to be, it almost has to be hoisted onto them to say, here's the money and not be forced to make a, a false choice about it. Uh, right now, the one of the internal Navy memos was leaked for the next budget. And in that, they, they assume that they're not going to have the budget that they need. This is Navy, the uniform leadership. And I would assume that the geographic commands, like Pacific Command, Indo-Pacific Command, they would be in charge of fighting a war with China. And I, the assumption that they're given is you're not going to have enough resources and you're going to have to make some choices. Uh, we've been doing that for far too long. This is that mindset of cost efficiencies. Uh, and they're not, they need to change that at the get-go, and they need to buy the ships, quite frankly. The shipbuilding industry is probably the most in need of some sustained investment, uh, both in capital, so building dry docks is something that's very urgent. Last time we did that, even the CNO admits now that it's a 100 years in the waiting for us to finally come back and reinvest in our the infrastructure that builds and maintains our ships. It needs it very, very badly. Retired Captain, United States Navy, Brent Sadler, with me earlier this week on The Morning Show. When we come back, my post-millennial producer will join us as we continue, as I was saying. Welcome back to As I Was Saying, fourth segment of the radio program in advance of Talent Outdoors, and that features my post-millennial producer of the morning show with Preston Scott, one, well, I'll let him introduce himself. Good morning, I'm Grant Allen, and here's how I see it. Ah, yes, the sounds of childhood. So many memories come from listening to this theme song i was a big fan of iCarly and like so many kids of my generation disney channel nickelodeon shows were a big part of our childhood um and the iCarly reboot was announced a couple months ago and the first few episodes have been released on paramount plus and i'm a little disappointed there was a lot of hype behind the iCarly reboot, but I wanted to tie it into what I feel is a bigger issue with modern mainstream television and how Paramount Plus isn't going to be, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're going to find that the numbers for the show weren't quite what they were expecting because there was a lot of hype, there was a lot of momentum and excitement behind the show, but... Similar to what happened to Fuller House, you may remember the original show Full House, they did a reboot, filled with woke, modern, leftist language that turned a lot of people off. And iCarly has some of those features as well. 
they've released three episodes following uh, the life of the main characters, uh, uh, Carly and the ones the, from the original show as well that was originally released back in 2007. Um, but immediately you could tell that this was a little different. And you know what? They prefaced and they warned fans of the original show when they were kids that they're going to be following the characters in the show as they aged, similar to how the young people who originally watched the show, my generation, uh, have also grown up and entered the world uh, into their own and kind of told the story of um, they'll try to breach topics like you know relationships and finding your place in the world through the workplace, etc., etc., what so many young people my age, um, around 20 to 25, are doing right now. Um, but there were a couple things that I noticed that I just didn't quite under- understand, and it just reeked of woke language and it was really sad because it it felt unwatchable to me because i am under the assumption that if this is going to continue i don't i just don't want to watch this people don't want to be exposed to woke political content in a television show much less a show that they remember from their children and i hate to break it to paramount plus but there are millions of young people who were fans of the show and they actually grew up in conservative homes. For example, what do you do when you hear this? For you, parties are a never-ending buffet of people who want to sleep with you. Cute guys, hot girls, ridiculously gorgeous non-binary lawyers who get your name tattooed on their thigh. Like, I, I, I don't know what that means. Like, no one knows what that is like. How is that relatable to, you know, normal people? And that was my first indication. I was like, okay, they threw the non-binary sexuality thing out there already, so let's see what else. But they continued. You're the guy who made the Marshmallow White House sculpture. The way that it was half-melted to reflect our disintegrating democracy. Oh, yay, another joke about our democracy that doesn't exist because we're a constitutional republic. Once again, I just don't think that there are going to be many people who are going to be interested in watching something that is completely unrelatable to a wide swath of the population. But maybe I'm the lone voice in this. Maybe I'm the only one that's like, really? You're going to infuse so many of my childhood memories and inundate it with woke garbage? Sorry, but no thanks. I'm not interested. I mentioned Fuller House earlier. Does anyone remember what happened in the very first episode of the Full House reboot, Fuller House? Here, I'll remind you. Once again, my feet saved the day. Yeah, but they smell like Trump. Yeah, they smell like Trump. Or how about this one? Wow. Can't you see how much I'm laughing? I'm laughing so hard. Yeah. Way to go, Networks. iCarly. Fuller House. Way to continue to alienate half of the population. Well, you know what they say. Get woke. Go broke. I'm Grant Allen, and that's how I see it. One of the two big stories in the press box, the cursing cheerleader has won the First Amendment battle at the United States Supreme Court with an 8-to-1 ruling. A lot of questions in the wake of it, and uh, Horace Cooper is a familiar voice 
to those of you that listen to the program, he's co-chair of Project 21. And rather than go through the entire resume, I'll just simply say he's smarter than us. Hello, Horace. <laughs> You've got a very low bar. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't agree with that at all, my friend. Okay, I have been dying. When I saw this come across, it was like, I have to talk to Horace. I'm a contrarian on this ruling. Am I wrong? Actually, I'm a contrarian on this ruling. Um, here's the thing. Uh, a lot of the attention and a lot of the effort has been on whether or not uh, those mean old people who run the school have a right to tell you what to do when you're not on campus. Uh, the challenge here is that that narrative actually is unrelated to the traditional ideas of uh, how the courts have treated uh, regulations of students by the school districts. Uh, it's great that the, you know the Boston Press and the East Coast Press uh, wanted to make this a big uh, issue of uh, David versus Goliath. When I look at a ruling by the Supreme Court, what I hope to see is clarity. What I hope to see is when I used to teach constitutional law, we could bring the ruling out and we could show it to the students and say, here's what the Constitution was contemplating, and look at this ruling, and you'll see how it reinforces that. This ruling didn't do any of that. In fact, apparently this is one of those rulings that ends up being... On Tuesday, you have to do this. Now, on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you do something entirely different. So I wasn't happy uh, with this ruling. The only interesting phenomenon to me was that it was an 8 to 1. Uh, but beyond that, it set no actual guidance. It provided no real direction. And it wasn't tethered to the Constitution itself. Horace, when I read the opinions and I looked at Clarence Thomas, the lone dissent, the one, I think Thomas was correct. What I don't know is how was it argued? I wonder if we had just a bad presentation of the case, because to me, the issue isn't free speech. The issue is the right to participate in an extracurricular activity where you demean the actual organization or the activity coaches, leaders. I don't know that there's a right to take part in that when there's a code of conduct violation. Well, exactly. Okay, so um, the reason I said that this case appears to stand for on Tuesday, we do it this way. On Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we do it another way. There was this statement uh, made by Justice Breyer, who wrote the opinion, that uh, this activity involved Snapchat. And because Snapchat can be limited to uh, the people that you're associated with, then it can't really be seen as her making a comment that would have been, quote, disruptive or would have been perceived as disruptive. Okay. Well, a couple questions. If that's true, well, how did the school know about it? The truth of the matter is this, that uh, with the use of technology, you can be a thousand miles away and still jeer at the teacher still engage in disrespectful behavior that can be seen instantaneously. Now, 
almost everyone, not everyone, but almost everyone, uh, five members of the court, including Justice Thomas, agreed that if comment had been made in the presence of the teacher, in the presence of the coach, or some other administrator, they clearly could have punished this young lady for it. We don't get clarity with this opinion. What we get is ambiguity. What we get is, on Tuesday, this is how we do it. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we treat it a different way. Still shaking my head. I don't know how it was argued before the justices, but it seems like there's got to be codes of conduct for participation in extracurricular events and activities. I mean, you're, you don't have a right to be on the football team or the cheerleading squad, but anyway. Thanks for joining me for As I Was Saying, back with more next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.